and we'll get a Bible to you. Raise it real high. Get, get that Bible. Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. Thank you. And, and pastor, it's a long list of names, so we're going to finish today. Guess what? First service, we didn't finish. How could you not finish a list of names, dude? What's, what's the matter with you? I want to start Revelation next week. By the way, it's Revelation, not Revelations. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which it'll be in two weeks, so read ahead. You've got two weeks to get prepared because we're not going to finish Colossians 4, even though it's a list of names. And isn't it tempting when you get to the end of a book like this just to kind of read through the names? Oh, yeah, cool. This guy says hi. That dude says hello. Greet them. Bada bing, bada bang. Let's move to the next book. Problem is that there is so much there. And you're going to see this morning, it's like, whoa, there is doctrine, teaching, exhortation, application for us in these verses at the end of the chapter. So um, let's pray, and we'll ask the Lord to bless our time together this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this special morning that you have blessed us with. You've given us life and breath and every good thing. For you are good and your mercy endures forever. Thank you for being so good to us. As we look back, you've been nothing but good. Thank you for every good and perfect gift that you've given us, including your word this morning. It is good. It is perfect. You know exactly what we need to hear this morning. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. We are in desperate need of a fresh work of your Spirit. As we sang, Lord, to you that we need you every hour, Lord. And so, would you show yourself faithful on our behalf? Speak to us now. Transform and change us. Do those things that only you can do by the power of your Spirit and for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. All right, so just by way of reminder, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Colossae, but we're going to see as we get toward the tail end of this, this letter that the letter was not just intended for one church. It was intended to be a circular letter. In other words, it was meant to be read at a number of different churches, Laodicea, Hierapolis, all these churches in this neighborhood would be receiving this letter. And remember, it was Epaphras from chapter 1. We're going to see his name come up again in chapter 4 here. Epaphras it was probably the pastor of this church. He was the one that came, shared the gospel, saw people get saved, began to disciple the people, and now all of a sudden this church has grown by God's Spirit, an awesome work of the Spirit in this region, and now he's come to the Apostle Paul, and he's telling Paul, where's Paul at, by the way? He's in prison, he's in chains in Rome, and this dude Epaphras shows up, and he's sharing with Paul all the amazing things that God is doing in that region, in the church. And Paul's excited. He's super stoked about what God is doing. And then Epaphras also shares with them there's some problems happening there as well. There's false teaching and heresies and heretics 
that were coming into the church. And, and, and we know a little bit of leaven does what? It leavens the whole Leavens the whole lump. A little bit begins to spread and infect and affect everybody. And so Paul's not happy about that. And so Paul will begin to address this issue in chapters 1 and 2. And remember what Paul did. Rather than address the false doctrines, he reminded us about Jesus, the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And isn't it good to be reminded of who Jesus is and what he's done for us? In fact, I think it's super crucial, especially in the day and age we live in with so many lies and deceptions coming our way. In fact, a precious family after first service came to me. They said they were at the mall yesterday, I think it was yesterday, and a group of people came up to them and began to share with them. And they said, have you, oh, it's, have you, um, is the Passover in your heart? And they're like, the Passover in our heart? What are you talking about? Yeah, are you? He goes, No, I'm a Christian. And they go, Yeah, we're Christians too, but is the Passover in your heart? They're like, What? Jesus is in my heart. And then they begin to realize, wait a minute, there's something wrong here. And 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 that should be for every single one of us here that's been taught the word, that's learned the word. When something funky comes your way, you should go, whoa, whoa, time out. You show me where it says that in the word. Show me and tell me, where did you get that from? Because I haven't seen that in my Bible. In fact, I'm told in Colossians chapter 1 that it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. And in chapter 2, I'm complete in Him. I don't need anything else. I got everything I need in Jesus Christ, and He's in me. So now, what is this thing you're talking about again? And it's cool because they said, well, why don't you? they wanted to come to their house and do a Bible study. Whoa, that's a gling, gling, gling. That should be a red light right there which it was, and they said, why don't you come to our church? And there'll be some people that will help straighten you out a little bit. And I said, hallelujah. Michaelmetter.org.com. <laughs> and so this is important that we, so that we learn the truth, okay? And it's the truth that sets us free. We are to allow his word to abide in us. And we have the word and the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth. And so Paul reminds the church of who Jesus is, Jesus' work on our behalf. And then in chapter 3 and 4, Paul shifted gears. You guys remember? And he begins to give the application for us as Christians. In, in light of what we know about Jesus and what he's done, how does this work out practically in our lives? How do we deal with one another? How do we deal in our homes as well with one another? Because listen, that's where the rubber meets the road, is in our homes, where our theology is worked out where our right doctrine is worked out rightly in our homes and and also in the church. It shouldn't be just in our homes, but in the church as well, ministering and loving and caring and serving one another. And so Paul gave us the instruction, the application on what it's supposed to look like in our lives. And then now, in verse 7 through the end of the chapter, Paul's going to be signing off. He's going to be naming some names and sending some greetings and so forth. And so, let's check it out. You guys ready? Cool. Here we go. Verse 7. If you're looking for some good baby names, here you go. Tychicus. Honey, that's, uh, that's exactly what I was thinking. Tychicus. Wow. We're so like-minded. Tychicus. I just like saying that. Tychicus. Tychicus, a beloved brother faithful minister 
and fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With, here's another great name, Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They will make known to you all things which are happening here. And so Tychicus and Onesimus were the two men, the two delivery boys that were responsible to bring this letter to the church of Colossae and for that letter to be circulated throughout the area. Tychicus, we read his name, I think he's mentioned five times in the New Testament. And I love what Paul does here though. Paul begins now to vouch for him. Did you see the three things he mentioned about this brother? He vouches for him, he gives the guy's credentials. In other words, he gives him a reference. You guys ever get, some of you guys get references, don't you? Some of you even ask me for references for you. And you know, I'm glad to do that. Do you guys know that I'm glad to do that for you guys? Just this week, someone asked me for a reference. It makes it a lot easier when I know you. If you're a Christmas Easter only person, and you want me to like pump you up or whatever, um, I need to be full of grace and truth. I'm going to tell the truth, and I'm also going to be full of grace as well. And so Paul shares the truth about this man, and I think it's noteworthy. It's remarkable what he says. In fact, what a description. What could be better than what's said? Wouldn't you want, wouldn't you want someone to say this about you? Number one, what does he say? A beloved brother, a much-loved member in the family of God. He's a family member in the family of God, and he is much loved. Paul really cares about this brother. And so how do you become loved? How do you, by being really loving? By being loving. By loving people. By caring for people. That's how you become really loved. And then what's the second thing mentioned there? What's the second thing mentioned about him? Faithful minister. And by the way, that word minister, it means servant. So when you see someone that says they're a minister, I'm a minister of the gospel, you are a servant, right? Jesus said, if you want to be great in his kingdom, become a servant. Oh, thank you. A servant of just the people you really like. Servant of, of all, of everybody, even the people that rub you wrong. And a servant, what does a servant do? A servant lives to make other people's lives better. That makes sense? Is that what a servant does? A servant lives to make other people's lives better, but notice what kind of a servant he is. What kind of a servant is he? Faithful. Faithful means reliable, dependable. You can count on him. Don't you like faithfulness? Do you guys like faithfulness with your Amazon delivery person? Do you guys like, correct? Do you like faithful? Yeah, you want your package delivered on time right there on your front porch, correct? Not four days late. You like it, him to be or she to be faithful, in deli- correct? Don't you like a faithful uh, energy company? Sends their bills every month to you? They're faithful. Aren't they faithful? 
They're reliable, right? Reliant energy, they're correct. They're faithful, reliable. Is faithfulness important in God's kingdom? Listen, it is a requirement in God's kingdom. In fact, I pray for you guys all the time that each and every one of you, when you step through the veil into eternity, into the Lord's presence, that you would hear from his lips, well done, good and faithful servant. Because if you don't hear those words, you wasted your life. And the Lord doesn't want you to waste your life. In fact, God's will for your life is your sanctification, to be set apart for his purposes, for his exclusive use, no matter where you are, whether you're a mom or whether you're in the workplace, but your life is set apart for the Lord, and faithfulness is what's required of us as Christians. Let me read this. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Let a man so consider us, Paul writes, as servants of Christ, hopefully that's all of us, and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. A steward takes care of things that don't belong to him. And God has given us a lot of things that don't belong to us. And we are to be faithful with that. The gospel, our giftings and callings, our family, whatever it is God has given us, we are to be faithful with that. And so we, we run into this guy named Tychicus. He was a faithful servant. Do you guys remember David in the Old Testament? You guys remember David? When you think of David, what do you think? You hear David, you think, that sounded right. David, what do you think? Goliath. Especially if you go to children's ministry, if you ask them. When you hear David, what do you think of? What do they say? Goliath, yeah. They don't say Bathsheba and Uriah, do they? (laughs) Right? Oh, yeah. Correct? Listen, there would be no David and Goliath if David wasn't a faithful delivery boy like this dude right here. Do you guys know that? There would be no David and Goliath if he wasn't a faithful, I'm going to deliver this package on time. If he didn't do that. Do you guys remember what happened? Remember David was anointed king. Remember Samuel came, dumped dumped the oil on him in front of the whole family. Saul was still reigning, but David became the anointed king of Israel. He wouldn't, he wouldn't get to that position till later on. You guys know the story, correct? And so remember what happened. King Saul, what happened to him? He rebelled against the Lord, right? He had a distressing spirit. He would get all weird and wacky and, and jacked up. And his servants were like, we need to get a worship leader here immediately. We need to get someone here to start playing some tunes so this dude will mellow out. And remember what they said? David's our guy. How about, what about David? He's a man of war. He's prudent. He plays the whatever, the harp, electric harp with distortion real well. Bring him. And Saul's like, bring him here. Bring him to me. Jesse, the son, or the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. So David comes, right, to the palace. Saul starts freaking out, getting weird. And what does David do? He breaks out his little instrument, starts jamming some worship tunes, right? And all of a sudden, what did Saul? Saul's mellowed out. He's peaceful. How cool is that? Is that cool? Worship music can do that. And then, 
David would travel back and forth from the palace back to his dad's house to take care of the sheep for his dad from time to time, it says. Isn't that cool? And one of those times he came back, his dad said to him, I want you to deliver the ten loaves of bread and the ten cheeses and the bag of oatmeal up to your brothers on the front lines. Three of those brothers were fighting on the front lines against the Philistines, including Goliath. And what did David say? Nah, that's beneath me. I'm a worship leader now. Did David say that? I, don't you remember, Dad, don't you remember the whole oil thing? I'm, ki- I'm king. I can't be a delivery guy. That's... Man, that's way beneath me. Was he faithful to do it? Was he faithful to be a delivery boy? And what happened? He ran into Goliath, and you know the rest of the story. But if he, if he would have said, you know what, no way. I can't do that. I don't do that kind of stuff. But he did. He was faithful. He delivered it. Just like this guy here. He's a faithful, reliable man. Him and Onesimus we read about. But notice something else back in... Chapter 4, verse 7. Tychicus is also a fellow servant in the Lord, a a co-slave for Jesus is the idea. In other words, they're, they're saying we've relinquished our rights to serve the king, to be about our master's will, our master's business. And I love this because he's a fellow servant. He wasn't doing his own thing. He wasn't a lone ranger in ministry. But what? He partnered with others. He partnered with Paul And he was going to do what? He's coming, look at the end of verse 7. He's coming to Colossae, and he will communicate everything that's going on with me here in Rome. What was going on with Paul in Rome? He was chained, right? He's in chains. And so think about this. Tychicus, Tychicus, Tychicus pulls in, and he's got the whole church, and he says, I want to tell you what's going on with Paul. He's imprisoned for sharing the gospel, for doing the right thing. He is suffering. He's going through this gnarly trial. He can't get out. He's stuck there. But you know what he's doing? He's sharing the gospel with the guards. As they're getting rotated out every shift, they're getting saved. Can you believe that? Paul's not singing the poor memes, the blues there. He's sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. He's shining. He's making disciples. Wouldn't that be an encouragement, by the way, to hear that? Isn't that why Paul shared that? Hey, I'll bet they'll be encouraged. They'll be encouraged to hear about what's going on with me. And isn't that encouraging when you hear news about someone? They're going through suffering. They're going through difficulty. But you would not believe how bright they're shining for Jesus. That stirs you up. Wow. Man, I can get through this thing. I can can trust in the Lord, and he's going to help me to get through my suffering and use my life. I'm chained. I'm at this ball and chain job. I'm stuck here. And then you hear about Paul. Oh, wow. God used him mightily there. Guess what? God wants to use you mightily right where you are at. Again, 1 Thessalonians 4, it is God's will, your sanctification, to be set apart for his unique and special purposes. Amen? Look at verse 8. I'm sending him to you, Paul sent Tychicus, that he may know your circumstances... And do what? And comfort your hearts. So not only was Tychicus going to share about Paul and Paul's condition, 
but he's also going there to what? To find out how they're doing and to comfort their hearts. Why would they need comfort? Again, remember, remember what's going on. False teaching, lies. They're getting fed. People are sharing lies with them. Listen, there's nothing new under the sun. How about watching the news today? Is it hard to discern between truth and error right now? Hard. And what does it do? It can be discouraging, can it? Some of the stuff you're hearing, some of the stuff you're watching, it can cause your heart to be discouraged. It can cause you to come to a place where, man, I'm, I'm ready to just, you know what, to just, ca- I'm done. False teaching, I don't know what's true, I don't know what's error, I'm all jacked up, I'm all twisted, and all of a sudden, here comes Chichikis, I can't, I'm going to get his name right one of these times, I'm just going to call him Ty, how about that? Ty pulls in, and he begins to comfort their hearts. The word comfort, check this out, this is what, I looked this up, it means to ease or alleviate a person's feelings of grief, distress, or suffering, or to alleviate a difficult situation, or to strengthen, to support, to reassure, and to calm that person. Isn't that great? Don't we need strengthening from time to time? Don't we need to be, don't we need to be reassured from time to time? Isn't it great to be able to come to our church and know that you're going to get the truth? A place of grace and truth, a place of peace, isn't it, for me, I love gathering with you guys. It's so awesome. I'm so blessed. It's so awesome to be able to gather and to worship the Lord, to sing songs to Him, to get into the Word and allow Him to minister to our hearts the truth that we might be able to discern between that which is, which is true and that which is error, and that we're able to walk correctly with Him and have correct doctrine, that we would walk the correct way as we follow our Jesus. So this dude comes, he shows up, and he's comforting them. And I love this. Have you ever been comforted by God? That's about half the room. Have you guys ever been comforted by God? It, maybe, is there anybody here who hasn't been comforted by God? If you, if you haven't, maybe come up afterwards for prayer. Because at some point you will need comfort. That was probably, I'm, I'm going to say that was probably 99% of the room. Is it safe to say that? Everybody's been comforted by God? Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation. How much is all? All. That word tribulation means pressure, compression, stress, difficulty, hardship. He comforts us in all of that. God comforts us in all of that. Why? Is there a purpose behind it? That is a reason we're that. Look what it says. That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with what? With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Isn't that awesome? So if you've been, every, 99% of you guys have been comforted by God, you know what that means? You are now equipped to minister to others. How do I do it? You comfort other people with the same comfort that you've received from God. Sometimes it's a word, a word, isn't it, from, from God's word someone shares with you. Sometimes someone prays for you. Maybe it's just a hug. Maybe someone just lends an ear and just 
They're there for you to listen. By the way, that is great. When someone needs comfort, it's to not just start shooting off your mouth. Remember Job's golfing buddies, the three of them? They, they did great from the get-go, but the minute they opened their mouths was when they blew it. And there's sometimes you just need to sit with that person. They've lost a loved one, and they don't need your theological answers. They're hurting. They just need someone to come alongside them. They lost a job. You just come alongside them. And if the Holy Spirit leads you, then it's time, okay, I'm going to share something with them from the Scriptures. But we need to be led by the Lord. You know what I'm talking about, gang? And so Paul's like, this dude's going to come. He's going to hear about your situation. And he's there to be a comforter. And that's what God has called every one of us. Amen? Because the comforter is living in you and living in me, the Holy Spirit. He wants to use our lives in that way. Amen? Look at verse 9. Who's with Tychicus? Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Onesimus. My Bible, it's broken down. It's got the O dash Ness dash. I mean, so it's like, so you know how to pronounce it. Onesimus. Big O. We'll call him Big O. I can't pronounce it. Like Big O tires. Onesimus. Who in the world is Onesimus? So, so let me, can I encourage you guys this morning in your Bible study? Because I'm sure some of us would maybe just blaze through these names. Okay, this dude says hi. That's a cool name, whatever. If you have a, you guys know what a concordance is? It's got, like, if you see Onesimus, it has all the times that Onesimus is listed in the Bible. You can go and look up all the times he's named. Or love, you can look up all the times love is used. And they have programs, too, online you can get as well. Or you just know from memory you've committed so much of God's word to your heart and to your mind, and you know, wait a minute, Onesimus, I know where he's mentioned. He's mentioned in the book of Philemon, thank you. Or Philemon, some people say Philemon. Philemon. Well, who are these guys? Philemon, the guy that writes the letter, and by the way, if you go home tonight and read Philemon, it's one chapter, you can say I read one whole book in the Bible tonight. It'll take five minutes. So Onesimus, the guy mentioned here, belonged to Philemon. Philemon was the owner. He was a slave. Onesimus was a slave, and Philemon was the owner. And what did Onesimus do? I'm out of here, dude. He runs away. In fact, he may have taken some stuff too and ran away. And he travels somewhere between 700 to 900 miles to Rome. And all of a sudden he's in Rome. And who does he run into? Paul, accident? Coincidence? No way, Jose. No chance. That's a divine appointment. And doesn't that happen? You go on the run. I'm just going to take a vacation from Jesus. Our family's going on vacation. We're going to take a... And all of a sudden, who do you, you run into someone. Or you're backslidden. And who, and who do you run into? You run into someone from church. Or someone that begins to share with you. Or you turn on a radio program and you hear the name of Jesus and it's a sermon speaking right to you. Oh, man. How did the Lord know? Because he loves you. He's not going to let you get away. He didn't let Onesimus get away. He runs into Paul, 
And whether he was backslidden or unsaved, now he's saved, now he's on fire for Jesus. And look what Paul, how Paul vouches for him. What does he say? He's faithful, reliable. He's not a flake. By the way, flakiness does not work in any, in any area of life, especially in ministry where, where lives are on the line. Eternity is on the line. He's reliable. He's dependable. He's a beloved brother, a dearly loved one of God's family. Paul really cares about him. And notice, I love what he says here. Who, look what it says in your Bible, who is one of you. Not only is he from Colossae, from your hood, from your neighborhood, but he's one of you. He's a Christian now. He's a believer. He's not beneath you. He's not a second-class citizen in God's kingdom. He's one of you. I think, personally, I think that's beautiful. And if you read Philemon, you read Philemon, isn't great? Paul makes an offer that Philemon can't refuse. When he comes back, you've gained a brother. And if, and if he owes you anything, put it on my account, Paul says. And by the way, you owe me your very life, Philemon. That's so beautiful. So, such the grace of God and God's goodness. Don't you look back on your life and see God's goodness? I mean, I've heard this morning from different people before church started and after first service, people sharing with me how God has worked in their lives. Do you know what? He's faithful. Do you know God is faithful? Do you know he'll never drop the ball on anyone that trusts in him? His past faithfulness speaks prophetically of his future faithfulness. He's going to continue to be faithful in your life. You keep looking to him. You make him number one, and everything will work out. So Paul vouches for Onesimus, gives him his stamp of approval, and they will make known to you, the two of them will share with you everything that is going on here. And isn't it a blessing, y'all, all y'all, Isn't it a blessing, the communication methods we have today? Is it a blessing, you guys? Some of you guys can't put down your phone. (laughs) Pecking away. Isn't it a blessing? The means and modes of communication. Paul had to send this letter, had to get quilled, rolled up, put in a scroll, and then be hand-delivered 700 to 900 miles on foot, on boat. Who knows how long it took? How about us? How long does it take? A couple minutes, doesn't it? You text somebody, one minute, two minutes, all emojis, even quicker. Right? Can I just encourage us? We've got email, we've got texts, we've got FaceTime, we've got... What else do we, Facebook, did I say Facebook? We got that. We got Instagram. We've got all kinds of ways to communicate. And I just want to share with you guys, we have missionaries and mission work going on all over the world, our church. And our, those people that we are behind prayerfully, financially, they love to hear from us. In fact, there's times when they're struggling and they need a word of encouragement. 
And can I just encourage us, how long would it take to shoot an email, to shoot a text to them, to send them some kind of a message, hey, praying for you, hang in there, don't grow weary in doing good, for in due season you shall reap. If you don't lose heart, share with them something God ministered to you. How long would that take to bada bing, bada bang, get the information from the church office and, and send them a letter, encourage them? It is because they're reminded too that they're connected to the body here that we are all a body, the body of Christ, and it's more than just the local church. It is global, and it's such an encouragement to hear from brothers and sisters. And so um, we don't have to send something. Well, we can send it snail mail if you want. That's cool. But email, you can send them, text them a message. Amen? Amen? I can't find time. Time's not lost, man. You can take two minutes. It's such a blessing. It's such a simple way to minister. You've been comforted with the comfort of God. Maybe they need your comfort as well. Next, verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. This is like, these two verses are like super powerful. Why? Number one, look at Aristarchus. He's a guy from Thessalonica, modern day Greece. He accompanied Paul on his third missionary journey. Elsewhere, Paul calls him a co-laborer. So they labored to the point of exhaustion, sharing the gospel, furthering God's kingdom. Paul vouching for this guy as well. And notice he's his fellow prisoner. They're in chains together. They're imprisoned. And what does it say? Aristarchus says, hi, hello. Maybe that's all you can do for our missionary. Hi, this is Jim Bob Johnson, Calvary Chapel, West Houston. Hi. He just says hi, right? He greets you, says hello. And then this is so classic. Along with Mark. Do you guys remember who Mark is? Do you guys remember who Mark is? This is, this is so like amazing. To me, and hopefully it will be to you. Mark, this is John Mark. It says what? Cousin of Barnabas. Remember who Barney was? Son of encouragement. Paul was at the church of Antioch. Along with Barnabas, the Holy Spirit said, I want you guys to go. Go on a missionary trip, your first missionary journey. And so Paul and Barney are like, yeah, let's do this. Let's bring John Mark. Yeah, so John Mark joins them. And they start cruising around. They're doing ministry. You guys remember the story? And all of a sudden, what happens? John Mark bails. He's chicken. He puts his tail between his legs and goes home. In the middle of the mission trip, I'm I'm going home to Mommy Mary in Jerusalem. That's her name, by the way. It says it elsewhere. I'm going home. Done with this. Ministry's hard. I'm out of here. So they finished the first missionary journey. Back to Antioch. By the way, that's a killer church, the church of Antioch there. Antioch of Syria. 
They come back and they're ministering, sharing all the stuff that God did and bada bing, bada bang. All of a sudden, Paul's like, listen, we need to go and visit all those churches, all those people. Let's go reach out to them, see how they're doing, see how their walk is with the Lord, and let's do this thing. What do you think, Barnabas? What do you think, Paul? And they're like, yeah. And, and, and what did Barnabas say? Let's take John Mark, too. And what did Paul say? No way, dude. Are you nuts? That dude's a flake. He chickened out. And it says they got in a fight. Brothers in the Lord got in a Paul got in a fight? They got in a fight. The contention was so heated. And what happened? You guys remember what happened? Paul took who? Silas. And Barnabas took John Mark. Who was right? Who was right? <laughs> Who was right, gang? I think, personally, I think they both were. Paul's right, absolutely. We can't have someone bailing out in the middle of a mission trip, cleaning up his mess. But Barnabas was right, too, because Barnabas was what? He was the son of encouragement. He was probably saying, come on, we got to give him grace. Let's give him mercy. Let's give him a second chance. They both were right. Amen? And it turned, we see God's grace, it turned into two missions teams. Isn't that beautiful? The work got doubled. Isn't that how the Lord works, though? He's so gracious and so good. We, listen, we all need Barnabases in our lives, or Barnabitas in Spanish. That's the female version. We all need Barnabases and Barnabitas in our lives. Because there's sometimes we need a second chance, don't we? Does anybody else need a second chance? And that person that comes alongside you and encourages you and say, you know what, bro? You can do this thing. You're going to be okay. The Lord is with you. Trust in the Lord. Look to Him. God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. His perfect love casts out all fear. He's with you, bro, no matter what. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I need to remind you of that. John, Mark, he's with you. It's okay. He'll never leave you. And if you die, you, look, you get your head lopped off, you're going to be in heaven. What could be better than that? It's going to be all right. That's the worst that can happen. You hang in there. We need those kind of people in our lives that are encouragers. Amen? Females and males, both ways. We need that. I love this because it says, when he comes, look what it says. Here's the instructions. When he comes to you, what does it say? When he comes, if he comes to you, tell him he's a no good loser chicken. Is that what it says? Isn't it? I mean, do you see the work that God did in his heart? When he comes to you, welcome him. Receive him warmly. Respect him. That's what that word welcome means. To respect to honor him. Isn't that beautiful? What a change of heart. I mean, God worked in Paul's heart, didn't he? He's welcomed him back into his jail cell, probably spent time with him, now sending him on and saying, receive this brother in the Lord. And by the way, John Mark ended up writing the gospel. Aren't you grateful for the gospel of Mark, by the way? And think about it, it was Barnabas that encouraged him. And that person that you're encouraging, you never know what God wants to do through their life in a special way, to reach how many untold millions over the, genera- over the years of lives. God wants to use your life the same way, gang. 
Well, in fact, can you imagine it? Because Paul had to do, Paul has to, we have to live out what we teach, don't we? And Paul wrote earlier, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Paul can't say, yeah, except for me. I don't forgive this dude. He's a bozo, flake. No, I've forgiven him. I want to give him a second chance. Everybody deserves a second chance. Amen? A fresh start. Amen? Look at the, but who's with him? Look at who, Jesus, Jesus, who is called Justice. Um, he says hello also. These, this is like really amazing what it says here. These are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. This is pretty, to me, reading this this week and studying, this is tragic. Of all the believers with a Jewish background from this demographic, there's only two. There's only two. Isn't that sad? Think about that. We don't know if he's talking about just Rome or Asia, Asia Minor, Europe. Only two. How sad. Isn't that tragic and sad? I pray that that would never happen with us. That demographic only had two faithful people laboring for Jesus. But Paul says they've proved themselves genuine. They demonstrated to me clearly to be a comfort to me. It's interesting. That word comfort is different from the word comfort we read back in, where was it? Back in verse 8, at at the end of verse 8, to comfort your hearts. This word comfort, it's so cool. Listen to this, what it means. It's it's a Greek in Greek, it's it was used as a medical term, and it means to counsel in a soothing way, to share words that bring relief or soothing exhortation. In other words, the idea is words spoken like medicine that take away irritation. Some people, don't you have people like that in your life? They speak words like medicine that brings healing from irritation. Some people bring irritation and you need medicine. You know what I'm saying? God forbid that's not us. But think about where Paul is. Where was Paul again? In prison. Prisons like the ones we have here? No way. Paul doesn't have a like, nice soft plush bed, TV, workout place, four square, three square, whatever it is, three meals. He's dependent upon others to take care of him there. Like many of the prisons around the world today. You think it would be a little irritable, irritating circumstances? You're chained day in and day out. You can't leave. Here's a dude that's been traveling all around. First missionary journey, second missionary journey, third. And here he is. He's in prison. A guy that loves being out. And all of a sudden, he's in these circumstances that are irritable. Sometimes we can get irritable too, can't we? Because of our circumstances. No? Can you, you guys ever get ir- you guys ever get sick? Some of you guys have been gone, you know, cold, flu, C-word. I 
I can't say it. I might have it. I don't know. <laughs> but when you're sick, it's, is it fun? Are you, is, are you irritable? Or are you like full of joy and really sweet? Listen, don't, and, and, and we have circumstances like that in life besides sickness. You're just going through a hard time. Aren't you glad for those that come and share a word that's soothing, that's healing? We learned on Thursday night in Proverbs 15. You guys remember this? This was so eye-opening for me. In Proverbs chapter 15, it says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, a healing tongue. Our tongues can be used for healing, or it says the second half of that verse, this is Proverbs 15.4, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Our, you know how powerful our words are? Man, they can bring healing to someone, someone that's been hurt, that's been damaged. They're, man, their whole life has been one, irritating, one irritation after another, and God wants to use you, precious brother or sister, to come alongside them and to say words that are healing, that, are, that will soothe them, that will encourage them. Do we need that, by the way? We need people like that in our lives, and so because there's enough criticism and gossip out there. There's no place in the church doesn't belong in the church. Let's use our mouths for God's glory. Amen? Part of serving Jesus in his kingdom, part of laboring for the Lord is bringing comfort to others in the body of Christ. Hey, can I just point out one other thing with this? Is there more in that verse, Pastor? Come on. Can't you just... Think about John Mark. Did God... So God did a work in Paul, right? Did God do a work in Paul? You guys still with me this morning? God did a work in Mark's heart too. There's no bitterness. There's no grudge with this dude. How do we know that? Because what was he sharing? Soothing words, healing words to Paul. Paul's in a gnarly circumstance, and that's what he's not saying, dude, remember what you said about me back there? Remember what you said on that first mission trip? You didn't include me. You said I was a chicken. You said I was worthless. I'm going to make these chains more miserable for you, buckaroo. Suck it up, Paul. <laughs> he didn't say that, did he? He's sharing words that are, that are comforting Paul in his situation. I, I mean, God did a work in this dude. In Mark also. Does God do a work in us? It's a good work. He's begun. He's going to see it through to completion. May our words be those that bring healing and help to others. Well, we got time for one more verse. Epaphras. Look at, check it out. Verse 12. Don't miss this. Epaphras. Who was Epaphras? He was a pastor, probably the pastor of this church. How do we know that? Flip back to chapter 1. Because I've said it every week, haven't I? Every week we've begun this study. I've said it over. Chapter 1, verse 7. How do they learn God's Word? How do they learn about the grace of God? How do they learn about Jesus? Now look what it says. As you also learned from who? From Epaphras. Not only with words, but Epaphras' life. Because we shouldn't be teaching something that we're not willing to do ourselves. Actually, that's called hypocrisy, isn't it? 
you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your, what does it say? On your behalf. Epaphras was their pastor, was their minister. He taught them. He taught them the word. He poured into them. He, he demonstrated for them. He was an example to the flock. And now Paul says about Epaphras, who is one of you, he's also a Colossian. He's a brother. He's a bondservant of Christ. What's a bondservant? Yes! Give her an extra donut over across the way today. A bondservant, we see this term used, Paul uses it, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Bondservant, awesome. It's a, it's a person that was a slave, they get set free, and the one that sets them free pays the price for them to be set free. That person says, I, want to, I love you, I want to serve you the rest of my life. And isn't that what Jesus did in our lives? Are you a bondservant of Jesus Christ? Has he set you free? Has he paid the price? He gave his life that we might have life. We love him because he first loved us. And so it's like, Lord, here's my life for you, for your purposes, for your glory. Are you still saying that? Or are you taking back your life? Are you taking back your life from Jesus? Sometimes we should give it to him afresh this morning. Say, Lord, here's my life afresh. I was a bondservant. I ran off like Onesimus. And you caught me. You caught me this morning. You brought me to this church with this wacko surfer pastor dude. (laughs) And I'm hearing from you, Lord, through this weirdo. Epaphras says, hi. He greets you. But don't miss this. Always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Isn't that beautiful? How did Paul know that? I wonder what Epaphras is doing today. He's probably down at the Colosseum watching the races. He's at the gladiator tournament probably. How did Paul know this? I think Paul prayed with him. I think they prayed together for the church. I think they spent time laboring fervently together for God's precious people. No doubt they prayed frequently together. And can I just encourage us, a pastor or a leader should always be laboring fervently in prayer for those that God has entrusted to their care. And if not, listen, if not, you need to move aside or allow God to move you out. Are you with me? It's interesting, sometimes, we had this guy a while ago that, bless his heart, hey, hey, Mike, um, I, I know, man, you labor in teaching and prayer and you know what? Um, I think you need a break. And when you need a break, I got the pulpit for you. I got you covered, bro. Cool, man. There's one problem. I've never seen you praying ever for God's precious people. I've never seen you once at prayer praying for these precious people. Do you know these precious people? Well... Here's what I got for you. We need people to preach at the assisted living to the elderly and the people with Alzheimer's. There's an open door for you right now. You ready? Uh, I don't know about that. Really? I thought you were ready for the pulpit, man. That pulpit's wide open. That's an 
open zip, whoop, open door right there for you, bro. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, no. Well, let me tell you what then. When after the rapture, you can have the church. Some of you will get that later. It's okay. You, you'll figure it out. That's bad, I know. Pray for me. <laughs> right? It's, you get that figured out? Yeah. After the rapture, church is gone. I'm here. I got the church. Hallelujah. It's bad. What, is, what, is he pray, what, what, was, he labor, what was he praying? This is so awesome what he prays. Do you know the leadership here prays for you guys fervently? Pastors, elders, leaders, directors, they pray for you guys fervently. Again, if they didn't, they'd be moved on or God would move them on. Look what the prayer is. Look what he prayed. Number one, that what? That you may stand. That you don't get knocked down. That you may stand perfect. Does that mean sinless perfection? No, it means maturity. It means growth. That you may continue to grow and mature and to become complete. That means to realize your full potential in all of God's will, right? In all the will of God, in all that God wants. Isn't that a great prayer? To pray, that's a great prayer. That you would grow and mature in all that God has for you. That you would reach your full potential for Jesus, all that he has in front of you, all the good works to walk in, that the giftings and callings on your life would not just be laying around in a closet or in a garage or somewhere, but you'd be using those to the glory of God, making your life count. What a great prayer, isn't that? That is a prayer you can pray for your spouse. That's a prayer we can pray for our kids, y'all. You know what I'm saying? that they would mature and grow and, and, what, and to realize their full potential in God's will, what God has for them. God's cho- that's what God's will means, his choice, his desire. Oh, Lord, that they would just fall in line with you, with what you want to do. That's a prayer right in line with God's heart, by the way. Want to know how to pray? Pray the scriptures. Pray the word of God. That is right in line with God's heart right there. And guess what? Here's the promise as we close. John reminds us, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much. There's so much, Lord, just to take in this morning and Thank you for speaking to our hearts. God, forgive us. So often we can become flaky and not fully reliable or dependable. And yet we know, Lord, as your word says, that is a fruit of the Spirit. And you told us, Lord, that if we abide in you, we will bear much fruit. And God, we just we want to come back again to you, to you, Jesus, to come to be filled up.
to be strengthened this morning, to be encouraged, and to step out in boldness, trusting in the power of your spirit to do the things you've called us to do. Forgive us, Lord, we're such consumers and so often becomes so much about us. And we get our eyes off of you and to the ministry that you've called each and every one of us to, to minister and to serve others, to follow your example. For you said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And by this we know, love, that you gave your life to us, for us, And then we are to follow in your footsteps to lay our lives down for the brethren. Help us to do that. Show us what that looks like. As we see these these faithful um, people that we learned about this morning, these faithful men, Lord, for all eternity, their names and your word and what we're told about them and the, the work that you did in them and through them. We know you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, that you want to do that in us to make our lives count. And so have your way in our hearts.